Welcome to Light the Lamp here on Duck Stream, presented by Gettle. I am your host, Alexis Downey. Exciting news. Gettle is now the official HVAC partner of the Anaheim Ducks and the Honda Center, keeping things cool on the ice and warm at home. Gettle, your trusted HVAC and plumbing partner. Visit gettle.com slash ducks for exclusive promotions. G-O-E-T-T-L. We make comfort easy to spell. Coast to coast. Non-stop action. This is the premier source for National Hockey League news. Scores, highlights, and the Anaheim Ducks. It's time to light the lamp with Alexis Downey. Now let's get to the show. It is officially the holiday season, the month of November, almost over, and it is almost December. Hard to believe that we're at this point of 2023 as it comes to a close. I'm not trying to get ahead of myself. I know we still have a month left of this year, but this time of year always makes me reflect back on the past couple months and just be thankful. Thank you all for listening to this show. If it wasn't for you, this show would not be here. We are so thankful for all of our listeners on Duckstream and especially myself. And just seeing the Spotify wrapped that came out today, they do give that to the creators of podcasts. It was great to see all of the growth that this show has gone through since its inception in September of 2022. Thank you all for listening along with me and uh, being Anaheim Ducks fans or hockey fans, wherever you are tuning in from. It's really cool to see. And speaking of the Anaheim Ducks, of course, we're going to talk a little bit about the team today as they have been struggling as of late seven losses in a row. And this, I think, is hard because the team was doing so well, six wins in a row, and now they're just on this tough losing streak, not playing very good hockey, except for last night that was in Vancouver against the Canucks. We saw maybe their best hockey through those seven games coming in that game last night. So the Ducks are now nine and 13 on their season. They have four games this week beginning on the road in Canada with games in Edmonton and Vancouver. Those ones are in the rearview mirror. Two more to go this week. The Washington Capitals on Thursday and the Colorado Avalanche on Saturday. So let's talk a little bit about those games that were in Canada beginning on Sunday with that Edmonton game an eight to two loss. This one gave me some deja vu from that first meeting against the Colorado Avalanche. That was also an eight to two loss for the Ducks. That was earlier this month. And the game that started this losing streak for the Ducks in the game in Edmonton, Max Jones, though, playing really well, two goals, his first multi-goal game of his career, both of them coming in the first period. And, you know, you could kind of feel the momentum that the Ducks were gaining, but that was quickly derailed as Edmonton just showed out with their stars. Connor McDavid, five points in that game. The Ducks end up having a goalie change in the second period. Lukas Dostal out of the net, John Gibson in the net to try to create some steadiness on the back end and he was able to help there but ultimately the wheels falling off the wagon in the third period for the Ducks that was a tough one to watch a game that I don't really want to go back to and just move on from honestly and from my understanding from listening to Steve Carroll and Emerson talk about it yesterday on the broadcast the practice the day after that game in Edmonton when the team was in Vancouver ahead of the Canucks game it was an intense practice the team just working on a lot of different things some set plays and we saw a little bit of that in that Vancouver game on Tuesday night. 
The Ducks falling in that one three to one, but I don't feel like that score was a reflection of what the effort was from the Ducks in that game. The first 40 minutes, probably their best 40 minutes that we've seen in a long time from this team as far as a puck management standpoint, making plays on the wall, getting in front of the net. They were doing all the right things. The power play also a part of that. The power play has really been up and down this season, but it was strong in Vancouver. Ryan Strom getting a power play goal as a part of that. And then the third period happened and the Ducks just lost their juice. Vancouver came out with an early goal. It was an unfortunate play, a wraparound behind John Gibson. John Gibson seemed a little bit distracted with what was happening in front of him. Didn't quite get to his post puck in the back of the net. And that just set the tone for what was that third period. Vancouver keeping the Ducks back on their heels in their own zone for most of it. Anaheim only getting a few chances towards the end of that period. And the goalpost has not been their friend this season. The amount of times that a puck has hit the goalpost it's it's just not been good. Another thing that hasn't been good have been the penalties. The Ducks are leading the NHL with 126 total penalties this season. Second place behind them is the Edmonton Oilers, and they only have 104. That is a pretty big gap between the two teams. So definitely an area that the Ducks are looking to improve on and be a little bit more disciplined. So it has been tough, this losing streak. And I was thinking about it a little bit more last night, you know, from the perspective of it's reminding me a little bit of last season when we definitely had some losing streaks as a part of that one. But one thing I did remind myself is the point of this season is continuing to rebuild this organization as well. No, we're not really using the word rebuild as much anymore because the Ducks have had early success and they seem to be ahead of schedule. And Pat Verbeek and Greg Cronin, they want to win. Our guys want to win. So I don't necessarily love the word rebuild this season. It's more of a build in general towards the future. And that's what we have seen with all of the young guys coming in and out of the lineup. Leo Carlson, especially one of those pieces. So there are going to be these growing pains. And right now I'm looking at this losing streak as a growing pain, a young roster, a couple veterans on this roster, but it's a growing pain in this season. It's hard to see, but you know, it's going to happen at some point because this team is still developing and these players, Players are still developing and they're also still without a couple of those young guys in Trevor Zegers and Jamie Drysdale still not in the lineup. Don't know when they're going to return. Obviously, we'll be great to have them back with the team when they do return, but it's all a part of the process. And I think that's what I have been reminding myself as bad as it is to see the team losing and be on this losing streak and you want to snap it. Unfortunately, it is a part of the growing pains that we are seeing with a young organization. Also on the injury front, I didn't mention it and I want to make sure I do in that game in Vancouver on Tuesday, Ilya Labushkin leaving that one did not return after he left a upper body injury was all all I know, we are still waiting to hear what the status of Labushkin is. Hopefully he is okay. The Ducks had to play down a D-man last night. 
because of that one. Cam Fowler getting a lot of time on ice, nearly 30 minutes of ice time in that game. Also, Radko Gudis, not a part of that game too. He was day-to-day. He still is day-to-day with a lower body injury. But head coach Greg Cronin did say it is very short-term, so I do expect Radko Gudis to be back sooner than later. It's tough. These injuries are tough. And you know, that that happens with teams. You look at so many teams. I mean, last year, I think about the Colorado Avalanche coming off their Stanley Cup season. They were expected to, you know, maybe be the favorites again for last year, but they dealt with a lot of injuries and that hurt them. And I'm not going to sit here. I'm not comparing the Anaheim Ducks to the Colorado Avalanche. I'm just giving you an example of a team that faced a lot of adversity with their injuries and it did hurt them. And unfortunately, that is what we're seeing here right now with the Anaheim Ducks without Trevor Zegras, without Jamie Drysdale, Labushkin leaving in the game in Vancouver, Radko Gudis not in the lineup. We've seen Brock McGinn out. We've seen Alex Kalorn out. I mean, it's been a lot of guys on this roster. So just hoping that, you know, this end of the year of 2023 here in this month of December, all the guys are able to get healthy and the team is more ready to go. And as I mentioned, the Washington Capitals in town on Thursday and then finishing out the week at home against the Colorado Avalanche on Saturday. So if you are still looking to make a game at Honda Center, you have the opportunity to with those two games this week before the team heads out on the road for two games next week, Colorado in Chicago. So going to see Colorado quite a bit in the next week or so. But anyways... It's time to get to today's guest, one that I was really excited to share my conversation with you guys with as I spoke with her on Tuesday, NHL Network host, Jamie Hirsch. She joined us on the show this week. She has been a part of NHL Network for nine seasons now. Her knowledge of the sport of hockey runs deep because of her roots growing up in the state of Minnesota, the state of hockey, also known as. So now let me introduce you to Jamie Hirsch, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. All right, let's welcome on to Light the Lamp now, a first-time guest host on NHL Network and MLB Network, Jamie Hirsch. Jamie, so great to have you today. How are you doing this week? I'm doing great. It's been a busy week around the NHL, and uh, today's only... Tuesday. So it's been a lot of fun, um, a lot of excitement and some mystery involved as well. So never boring around these parts, but thanks for having me. Definitely not a boring week so far, but let's start with a little bit of background about yourself for Ducks fans that are listening that may not know much about you. Um, So you grew up in Minnesota, the state of hockey. Did you play hockey or how did you get interested in the sport? You know, I did not grow up playing hockey. I was a figure skater as a little girl. And so I was around the game. I had a lot of friends who played the game, but I personally never played and didn't come from a particularly hockey um, fan family. Mm -hmm. So it was um, always around, like you said, state of hockey, it it is around, but um, it wasn't until later. And part of that too, is my age, the North stars left when I was very, very little Mm -hmm. and we didn't have a team until I was in high school. And so it was hard to really, you know, support the NHL when your team doesn't exist. So I think that was part of why, you know, I was more into football, basketball, baseball when I was growing up, but um, ended up getting my first job out of college in Madison, Wisconsin, and the Badgers at the time were good in all sports, but they were also really good in, um, in college hockey. They won a championship, and so mm. I covered that team a little bit. 
um, and was around the game and then um, ended up getting an opportunity to go back home to Minnesota to work for the Wild and the Twins, where obviously I poured myself into the hockey community there and just really fell in love with the game. I worked as their studio host and reporter for three years and then um, that very quickly transitioned into an NHL slash MLB network um, promotion, I guess you could call it. And here I am. It's my ninth season in the NHL network already. Um, I can't believe how much time has flown by when I moved here. I was not even thinking about having kids. And now I have a four and a half year old and a two year old. Mm. So it's uh, it's been quite the journey. And I feel lucky to be a part of the hockey community. Was broadcast journalism always the plan for you? For a long time, it was. Yeah, not really until high school, but I grew up loving sports. My dad and I would watch every Vikings game together. Um, and actually, even in the college, he would VHS tape the game and <laughs> mail it, snail mail it wow. to me in Los Angeles, where I went to college. I went to USC, actually. Um, and so uh, I would watch it like on Wednesday, you know, three <laughs> days after the game, knowing full well what had happened, but I still wanted to see how it all happened. So that's like the level of sports fandom we're talking about. And um, as I was watching football growing up, I remember Michelle Tafoya really standing out mm. as this amazingly capable woman who knew exactly what she was talking about, you know, never obviously played the game, but she fit in just as well as anybody who would have grown up playing the game. And I remember thinking, wow, like a woman talking about sports with authority and confidence and um, savvy, and I, I want to be like her. Mm -hmm. So she's really my biggest example of somebody that showed me that I could possibly do something like that. So I started dabbling in that in my high school years where I would just kind of interview our high school <laughs> Um, football coach and football players and put together a little report that aired in our high school uh, station. <laughs> and then it ended up leading to a broadcast journalism degree at USC. And, and that the rest is history. That's amazing that your high school had that opportunity for you while you were there too, to get started. Yeah, they didn't have it per se, but they mm. did have like a morning show. It was mm. like 10 minutes every morning. It was called <laughs> the Rebel Report. And um, they would just kind of, you know, show the news of the day, the weather. And so I actually just kind of came up with that idea because I wanted mm. to do something that might lead to um, a college opportunity. And so uh, my friend and I, he wanted to get into film. So he went behind the camera and was like the little dinky home video <laughs> um, setup, and, you know, would tape me just doing those interviews and the high school football team was kind enough to just like play along mm -hmm. and pretend like it was actually legitimate but it was really good experience for me to just kind of pour myself into it and, and try to figure out what I was doing. So I have to ask you too I mean growing up in Minnesota how did you end up in California for college? <laughs> well um, I think a lot of people would say it's the weather and they wouldn't <laughs> be wrong part of it was that there was definitely a draw to getting out of the cold winters of Minnesota. I remember thinking it'd be so cool to be studying for finals in December by the by the pool. Mm -hmm. And I definitely did that. So um, that was part of it. But then also just in my you know journeys, looking kind of all over at both coasts um, and Northwestern as well in Chicago, um, it really became clear that I wanted to go to a good broadcast journalism school and a school preferably that had really good sports teams to cover because at the time, Northwestern wasn't very good at sports. And so I would rather have covered Pete Carroll and Reggie Bush and the 
national championship winning Trojan football team um, than Northwestern. So that, that definitely factored into the decision. You mentioned too covering college hockey when you were in Wisconsin. Do you still follow follow college hockey at all? I mean, I know you're very busy with all of your work and being a mom too, but do you still follow it at all? You know, I don't follow it super closely until we come time to, you know, get to the the frozen uh, for even before that, the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament, because um, it is hard to keep up with alongside the NHL schedule. Um, but it's it's certainly its own excitement. Like it's a whole different fan base. And I learned that being in Minnesota because I did cover gopher hockey when I worked in Minnesota as well. And I remember thinking how interesting it is that people are can be really big college hockey fans and then not really care about the NHL and vice versa. So I I don't say that I wouldn't say I'm a huge college hockey fan per se, but I definitely do pay attention, especially around tournament time. Um, And we've seen the game grow so much in terms of um, college players going on to play in the NHL. And that Mm -hmm. never used to be as popular of a choice or a route. It was always junior hockey for the best players. So I love now, you know, seeing some of the top players in the NHL um, passionately you know, talking about their their days wearing different sweaters in, mm-hmm. in universities like um, last year's Hobie Baker winner in Michigan was Adam Fantilli, who now, you know, is third overall pick with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Mm-hmm. And he dropped the puck at the Michigan hockey game a few weeks ago. So it's fun to see um, them staying involved in, in the college hockey scene. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, especially with the Big Ten hockey conference has become over the years too. just how mm-hmm. much that has grown in general. Yeah, for sure. When I was uh, in Minnesota, it was actually the inception of the Big Ten Hockey Conference. Mm. And it was a very polarizing thing because yep. it was taking away some really great rivalries um, from the previous conference, um, specifically in the state of Minnesota, where you didn't have St. Cloud State playing Minnesota Duluth and Minnesota all the time. It kind of got split up. And so um, that you know, they've done a good job of still trying to keep those games on the schedule at mm-hmm. some point in the season. But um, it's certainly exciting to see both on the men's and women's side, places like Ohio State really coming into existence and thriving. And, um, you know, Denver's been a, a really good college hockey program for a long time, but you can throw them in the mix. So um, now we just have to see, you know, I know Arizona State has a, a burgeoning and blossoming <laughs> program out there, but we just got to, you know, see if we can get some Southern California <laughs> hockey college hockey schools. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. I, I would love that. I know UCLA has a club hockey team and their uniforms are really sharp looking, but oh, uh, awesome. yeah, yeah. Maybe you'll find those on Twitter if you take a look, but, uh, yeah. you, you also had the chance to cover some baseball when you worked in Minnesota, covering the twins for a couple seasons, you know, now also being with the MLB network, you know, does that passion for baseball still live within you too? Absolutely. I always say baseball was my first love in terms of sports because my my grandpa um, raised me right, I guess, and <laughs> taking me to the nosebleeds, the, the old Metrodome where the twins played in Minnesota. And we would be you know, way out in the nosebleeds and the bleachers. Um, and he'd teach me how to keep score. And we kept score every single game I always went to. Even when I was a sideline reporter many years later, I always kept score by hand. Um, and so that's still very much a, a nostalgic part of me. And something that while I don't do a lot of baseball, usually for the first half of the season, because it's playoff hockey time and I'm yeah. fully invested in that. Once hockey's over, you know, mid to late June, um, I do start kind of filling in here at MLB Network on different baseball shows. And it doesn't take long for that old 
passion for the sport to come back. And, you know, I think it's, it's a really exciting time in, in that sport as well with all the rule changes and trying to make it a little more exciting um, and timely. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, definitely still a passion of mine for sure. And hey, just a minute, because we have a reminder for you that we have exciting news. Gettle is now the official HVAC partner of the Anaheim Ducks and the Honda Center, keeping things cool on the ice and warm at home. Gettle, your trusted HVAC and plumbing partner. Visit Gettle.com slash Ducks for exclusive promotions. G-O-E-T-T-L. We make comfort easy to spell. Well, with this being your ninth season, you mentioned at ML NHL Network and MLB, uh, how much have you seen it grow and change? And do you have a favorite memory from all the events that you've gotten to cover? Um, you know, I always really love the All-Star Game. Every year, that's a highlight for me. And I think, you know, it would be a just a very close second to the Stanley Cup final because mm -hmm. the Stanley Cup final, there's nothing like it. It's a media circus. Um, the stakes are obviously so high. The journey that these teams have been on to get to that point um, are remarkable. And so the Stanley Cup final is is my favorite. But then right below that is the All-Star Game, because every year you have all these huge name players. And so it's awesome because, you know, I'm sure as you've experienced with the Ducks, sometimes you don't always get to talk to the star players if you're covering a game or an event because they're, you know, not they don't want to be bothered every single day, mm -hmm. but an all-star game, literally everyone is an all-star. <laughs> and so you'll just get to talk to all these guys that, that are awesome players and end up giving great interviews because they're relaxed. There's nothing mm -hmm. really on the line. There's no pressure. A lot of them are just having fun. Their families are there. We have a lot of kids that go in the locker room and everything. So it ends up just being a really fun, lighthearted and family focused weekend that I look forward to every year. The NHL announcing yesterday, too, it's now going to be a three-day event this season in Toronto this year, uh, yeah. you know, and they, they're expanding to that player draft, too, once again. So yeah. is that exciting for you? Will you get to cover that? Yeah, I think so. That's the plan <laughs> right now. And so it's, uh, you know, I, the player draft was something that was actually before my time at NHL Network. So I remember it as mm -hmm. a fan watching it back in the day, but it, I haven't covered anything like that. And so I'm excited to kind of bring that back and see where it goes. It's exciting that the PWHL uh, is getting involved as well. They're going to have their teams represented at All-Star Weekend um, after they launch in a few weeks here. And yeah, it should be a really great event. There there was a time, I want to say LA back in 2016, 17, 2017, um, was the NHL 100 celebration. So that was a three-day event as mm. well because they had a whole ceremony um, announcing the, the 100 greatest players in NHL history kind of as part of that. And so it's it's nice to kind of get to unpack the suitcases and settle in mm. and, and just be there for really three full days of, of hockey fun. And it's not too much travel for you from New York, New Jersey area. Yeah, either. no, it's a really <laughs> quick flight. I think it's like 47 minutes in the air or something mm. like that. The only drawback that I will say is, uh, you know, I was, I always look forward to going somewhere sunny this mm. time of year. <laughs> so I'm a little little bummed that it'll be Toronto, but um, no, it'll be awesome yeah. at the same time because that's, you know, hockey mecca. And so to see that city hosting an all-star game will be really special. One more thing on the side of your work at NHL Network. You recently, last season, I believe it was, got into play-by-play -play, and Kevin Weeks mm -hmm. has been alongside you for that. Where did your interest start in that area? 
You know, it's funny. I never even considered it mm. because I honestly just say that it wasn't ever told, like no one ever told me I couldn't do it mm -hmm. because I'm a woman, but no women were doing it. So mm -hmm. I never really even saw it as an option or heard it as an option. And it wasn't until recently um, when we actually had someone come down sick and they couldn't call the game. It was like two years ago during COVID and they couldn't call a game. And um, someone like jokingly said, oh, Jamie, you should call it. And I said, huh. I was like, yeah, maybe someday, yeah. you know, kind of just threw it out there. And then they were like, really, are you serious? And I, I thought, you know, why not kind of thing. It was the same time that Leah Hextall was starting. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, so glad that she did take that leap of faith and, and try it. And um, because someone has to, right. And more mm -hmm. of us have to, more women have to, because I think it, it really um, has opened my eyes to a whole new world of possibilities. And it's definitely the hardest thing I think I've ever done professionally. It is so challenging and takes so much prep and so much focus. Like I feel I'm imagining that it is how you feel playing the game. I never played mm. the game. I obviously never played yeah, the NHL, yeah. but I think it's as close as you could get to that basically, because you're just so laser focused on every aspect of what you see happening on the ice, where the puck's going, who's changing, um, who's coming on the ice for a new shift and what the goalie's doing, where every little thing mm -hmm. you're trying to keep track of. Um, while also immediately recalling the number and the name that's associated with the number and, you know, which guys are righty and a lefty. It, it's wild, but <laughs> I really enjoyed the challenge of it. I have a long way to go to get good at it, but, um, but I really appreciate the opportunity that NHL Network continues to give me. I've been calling, I called two games already this season and I've got another one in a couple of weeks. Um, and then I have several more throughout the year. So it, it's just, you know, with every game, I'm learning a lot. And I think it's really important for men and women, boys and girls out there to hear a woman's voice calling hockey mm -hmm. because you don't have to have played in the NHL to call the action. Most of the male play-by-play -play people did not play hockey themselves. They just, you know, happen to be male. And so, you know, I think analysts should have played the game. But the great thing about hockey is we have a lot of talented women hockey players too. So they can be analysts as well and understand the game just as well as men. So I think it really is a, an exciting time for women in the sport specifically because it's become a lot more inclusive and there's still challenges. We're mm -hmm. still going to have to have a lot more representation. But um, as of now, you know, I think the future is bright. Did anyone give you any words of advice uh, when you yes. went in to do play-by-play? -play? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, actually my colleague EJ Raddick, who mm. also calls play-by-play -play now with me, and he was a relatively new play-by-play -play person as well. He just started doing it maybe three, four years ago, right before I did. And he um, is a great friend and a great teammate. And he told me right before I even started my, my first trial game, like my first practice game kind of off the air, um, he said, you're the pilot mm. and you just got to keep flying the plane. There'll oh. be turbulence. There'll be smooth moments where you feel like you've got it under control, but you can't stop flying the plane. You have to just keep going, you know? And, and also he told me less is more, um, especially in TV. Mm -hmm. You don't need to say every single thing that the puck is doing or, you know, the right side versus left side because people see it, mm -hmm. you know? So there are yeah. some, there is something to be said for kind of, 
saying less. And if you need just a, a minute to kind of collect yourself as the puck's going through the neutral zone, it's kind of nice to hear the yeah. ambient noise of the crowd and, and everything else going on, you know, the puck hitting the sticks and everything like the, the sounds of hockey are so great by themselves naturally that I think I'm, I'm learning to kind of feel out how much to say and when to really be calling the action every single touch versus when to pull back and let it breathe mm-hmm. a little bit and maybe get into storytelling with the analyst. You did, but post, it's a fine line. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, I, I love that analogy too, that he gave you because it, yeah. it, it is a good way to look at the game too yeah. in, in that yeah. mindset. But I remember you posted to a video of your family getting the chance to listen to you. Is it, Sort of, is it rewarding? I mean, just to see them recognizing your your children, recognizing that's you on TV, that's their mom. Yeah, it's everything. <laughs> it's uh, my why, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's the reason that I do what I do because I, while, you know, it's obviously really fun. That's also why I do what I do. But um, beyond that, I think it's really valuable for both my son and my daughter um, and hopefully eventually their friends or whoever mm-hmm. to to see mom on TV and and talking about sports specifically. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I always say that um, our kids will definitely grow up with, you know, if they have questions about sports at all or a team, how they're doing this, that like, Mom's going to be the authority. Like my husband is a, is a casual sports fan and hockey is his favorite, but he's not like a diehard, like yeah. watch every game, get into the nitty gritty. He doesn't <laughs> ask me questions about something when I come home. Um, you know, it's kind of my work and and he respects that. But um, but yeah, I, I feel like I'm definitely the sports authority, <laughs> if you will, in the household. And I think that's really cool for them. Um, and I, I'm really proud to, to be able to raise them um, just thinking it's totally normal Mm -hmm. for women to talk about sports and and have an opinion about sports and call the action of sports. So yeah, that's, that's definitely an important thing and very rewarding. I love that. That's so awesome. Well, let's talk Mm -hmm. a little bit of hockey too on that side of things, because there's been so much news this week, as we were saying, specifically, let's start with the Minnesota wild, a team that, you know, very well, a new head coach coming into play here. It was announced yesterday. John Hines taking over for Dean Evason. So what is your opinion having covered the league, you know, for a number of years now and probably knowing John Hines too on how he will fit in in Minnesota? I think he'll fit in great. Yeah, he's done really well with teams that have young players specifically. I think um, he's more of a player friendly coach Mm. from what I've heard. Um, I know him just a little bit. We've talked a couple times just, you know, at different events and, and through different interviews. And he's always struck me as just a very down to earth, um, but very smart person. And so I think um, especially with like Matt Goldie, mm. I think he'll probably be able to really connect with him and get the most out of him. From what I've heard with people with the wild right now, Boldy's really having a tough time with his confidence and it, it's starting to show, you know, on the ice, he's, been so good so early in his career that I think this is really the first time that adversity is is rearing its ugly head and and so to have a coach that might really be able to take him under his wing and and help him get through that I think could be really invaluable um and then you know I think also just looking at his tenure with the Devils I mean he he was the coach for Taylor Hall when Taylor Hall won the Hart Trophy um five six years ago and so that speaks to, to his credit, his credibility and his name a little bit. And mm-hmm. then also in his time in Nashville, I think he got a lot out of a team that 
wasn't expected to compete, wasn't expected to be good. And they ended up making a pretty good push at the end to try to get into the playoffs. Um, and so that I think speaks well. And I, I know that Bill Guerin has some history with him from their time together in Pittsburgh. So mm -hmm. I think that's also a big part of it is as a GM, you want to bring somebody in that you know and you trust and that can just kind of settle everything down and, and right the ship because they are trying to make the playoffs still. It's going to be mm -hmm. a tough test. Um, they, I don't know if there's any team in the league that you could take $15 million away from their cap space and, and they would be able to compete. And that's what the wild are facing right now because they still have the, the buyout penalties from Parisian Suter from way back mm -hmm. when. So um, I give them credit for, for kind of overperforming to this point. And I think um, it's kind of starting to show right now that, that they need a full salary cap to deal with. So we'll see mm -hmm. if they can get through the next couple of years and, and hopefully right the ship sooner than later. Now, the Anaheim Ducks got off to a hot start in the month of October. They had a great road trip early to the East Coast, but have since been on a skid as of late. Uh, they're up in Canada taking on the Vancouver Canucks tonight. What's been your impression of this young Anaheim Ducks team as, you know, they're reworking a new system this year under head coach Greg Cronin? Uh, my impression is that they're ahead of schedule. Mm -hmm. I did not enter the season with any sort of expectation for this group and whatever expectation it was, they've certainly surpassed it. And a lot of us around here at NHL network are talking about how the ducks have suddenly become must see TV. And we would not have said that for the past several seasons, you know, you kind of look at the slate and you're thinking, okay, like, especially on the East coast, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of the starts are 10 o'clock local time for us. So unless I'm working on the fly doing the highlights of that game, I typically won't watch much and I'll watch mm -hmm. the, highlights on on the fly the next morning but lately there was a game I forget I wouldn't say it was Arizona Anaheim a while back when both teams are kind of clicking and we were like we gotta stay up for this game <laughs> this is gonna be a good one and it's really cool to to see that both of those teams um have turned it around pretty quickly now I, I'm still not 100% sure if, if the Ducks are mm -hmm. gonna make the playoffs like that still obviously remains to be seen and we've got a long way to go but the fact that they're even in that conversation right now and that they're certainly playing meaningful games and um, kind of having a lot of those young guys understand what winning feels like and what winning looks like and what it takes to win. I think that is so valuable. Um, we had Greg Cronin on just before the season started. And I was blown away by how impressive he was. Mm -hmm. um, he came in with a lot of ideas and shared some of them with us on air and just seems like a really intense but fun guy to play for. I don't know mm -hmm. if that's a fair it assessment. Is. No, it definitely is. That's a good outlook on it. Yeah. And we had Mason McTavish on recently on NHL now. And I mean, he was also really impressive. It's funny how some of the younger guys typically give you the canned answers or, you know, are very short winded. They don't want to say too much. And he was very uh, easygoing, carefree, talked about how he just loves living in Southern California <laughs> and how he'll go sit in the lifeguard towers and <laughs> have his lunch. Or He's, he was just a, a treat to get to interview. Um, and, you know, he was also doing really well at the time, mm -hmm. which I think always makes everyone feel better. But, um, but for him and for some of those other young players to, to finally get a taste of what success looks like, I think is going to bode very well for them going forward. Well, in the East, on the other side, let's talk about the Detroit Red Wings because they were in the news today. Patrick Kane joining the Red Wings. How do you see him fitting in in Detroit? 
I think he'll fit in great. You know, he's expected to, to rejoin the cat, Alex Dabrinkat, mm-hmm. as they were uh, obviously very successful line mates together in Chicago back in the day. Um, I also saw somewhere that Daniel Strong has agreed to change numbers. Yes, so Kane can wear too. his signature 88. <laughs> so that'll be good um, and nice of Strong to do. But yeah, I think I don't, I don't know if Patrick Kane alone makes this team a playoff team mm-hmm. or if not a playoff team, like a true contender. Like, I don't know. And that's with all due respect to Patrick. Cause I think, I mean, he's for sure. First ballot hall of famer, mm-hmm. one of the best ever to play the game, if not the best American born player ever. Um, I'm a huge fan of his. He is a rink rat through and through just so dedicated to taking care of his body and his mind and, and making sure that he can compete well into his thirties. Um, but I just, you know, there are some questions about the type of surgery he had and mm-hmm. you know what that recovery looks like, what, um, what his production will look like. But I think if he doesn't have to be the guy and he can help to bring that, be the guy, he can help Larkin be the guy. Um, I, I think it's really exciting. I'm just mm-hmm. not, I think they're having a little bit too hard of a time keeping the puck out of their own net. And I'm not sure Patrick Kane solves that, but, mm-hmm. um, but I'm very intrigued to see where it goes. And I hope I'm here eating crow, you know, in three months or whatever. And I'm like, <laughs> he was the missing piece. The Red Wings are on fire. They're winning the Atlantic or whatever, but um, we'll see. It's definitely exciting and, and really just a win for hockey fans mm-hmm. everywhere to be able to watch him play again because he is still showtime. He's still mm-hmm. electric and um, I'm a huge fan. He loves those original six teams. That's what I was saying yeah. today. He likes <laughs> likes to stick with what he knows. <laughs> yeah, I saw the, this meme of the guy from Endgame. Um, at the Avengers or whatever. He's like, Patrick King collecting original six teams like Infinity (laughs) Stones. It's really funny. Talking about the New York, New Jersey area teams, the Rangers off to a hot start on their year. The Devils kind of surprising some people this year. And then the Islanders, I feel like they're always in overtime at this point too. What, What have you thought about just where those three teams have been at in their year? I, you know, unfortunately for the Islanders, they came really close twice in a row and it was mostly with defensive hockey. And then they changed that quite a bit when Barry Trotz left and they kind of let the guys go a little more, but you know, if not for Sorokin, a lot of these games would be a lot uglier Mm -hmm. and they're still kind of ugly. So (laughs) I don't think the Islanders, I think are, are just not there. They're not where they need to be this year. Um, they could prove me wrong still, but it's such a tough division. I just mm-hmm. don't really see that happening. Yeah. The Rangers and Devils are set up to have an epic rivalry for years to come. Mm-hmm. I mean, we finally are seeing the the results of high draft picks totally coming to fruition. Jack Hughes is a bona fide superstar. He is incredible. Nico Hishier has become one of the best defensive forwards in the NHL. Um, and then they've got decent goaltending for, for uh, New Jersey. On the flip side, you have the Rangers whose kids are finally starting to perform <laughs> as well with Capo Caco and Alexi Lafreniere finally finally finding their game. They um, had been criticized for so long. It's obviously a, a passionate fan base and big market and they were scrutinized for a long time, but they're finally really um, taking that next step this year. And I think that's why the Rangers are kind of the team to beat right now in the Eastern conference um, add into the mix. them getting Adam Fox back on the blue line and Shesterkin, who is probably the best goalie, maybe a quick nod to Andre Vasilevsky, <laughs> but um I think they they have what it takes to at least win the Metro, if not really be the team that comes out of the Eastern Conference this year. 
Some teams that the Ducks will be seeing in just a few short weeks as they head on their New York City and that area uh, trip in December. So be looking out for those games too, taking on some of those teams. Hold on. Hold on one second. (laughs) Hey, Gabby. I'm on with the Ducks Stream podcast. (laughs) Will you say hi just really quick? Who am I saying hi to? (laughs) This is Alexis. Hello. I'm doing a podcast for Duck Stream, but I know, you know, with all his time in Anaheim, I figured he'd just want to stop by and just say a quick hello. Hello. And you know what? Every time I listen to a Ducks game on the radio and it goes, they were having a Duck Stream commercial. I'm going, what the hell are we talking about? <laughs> well, now we know. Yes, now, yes. Now I, I know. <laughs> I am the, uh, the pregame and uh, postgame host. And then I also do reports on our Duck Stream broadcast. So they, I'm, I'm a part of that. <laughs> well, Thank congratulations. You. Thank you. Luck and have a great conversation here. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> He's working with me today, and I, I just it. saw him walk by, and I thought, oh, yeah, the connection. I'm sure Anaheim fans would like to, to see that Bruce is doing well. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh, love it. Love it so much. Well, Jamie, this has been so awesome having you on today. Uh, I I would love to catch up again later in the season, but love what you're doing on NHL Network, and thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, thanks, Alexis. Take care. Awesome to have Jamie Hirsch on the show this week and that guest appearance by Bruce Boudreaux. Great to see him as a part of that too, as they were getting ready for their show on NHL Network. So that'll do it for today. My final quack, which I realized I haven't been giving you guys as of late. I have been doing it on the post game show, but I've been missing it on Light the Lamp. So my final quack for today is just a, the Ducks will get there. It's a part of the process. I'm not worried. The team is young and things are still very bright as we look into the future. Thank you for listening to Light the Lamp. As always, I am Alexis Downey. Come back again next time for more hockey talk on Duck Stream presented by Gettle. And get your home cozy with Gettle Rejuvenation for just $129. We'll prep your HVAC for the season so you're ready to cheer on our ducks. Call 866-671-9822 or visit gettle.com slash ducks. G-O-E-T-T-L. We make comfort easy to spell. This is an Anaheim Ducks original production on Duck Stream.